again to Catalogs and Noise. My name is Joe. I'm here with Josh, Tom, Dave. Like to mix it up. And um, today we are talking about Night Moves, right? What the fifth Kelly Riker movie? Uh, well, do you count River of Grass? Sure. Why not? Why wouldn't you? Fifth, then fifth <laughs> Kelly Riker movie. Yeah. If, if we sat here and talked about it for an hour, it sure as hell should count. Well, yeah. I I can count. I think it counts. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, I get what Dave means, though. I you know it it seems to be a kind of outlier in terms of uh, quality and, and also Tom you know you like the toll booth scene <laughs> I think there's a lot to like in that movie but we've already covered that yeah we have alright so this movie uh, is maybe one of the most disappointing movies to me you um, said it took you ever. back to River of Grass well I think aspects of it yeah. but um, I you know I remember like really really looking forward to this a couple years ago like couldn't wait for the new Kelly Riker movie to come out and being very, very disappointed by the results. And ultimately, I think this is like half of a great movie and then just kind of peters off into silliness. Yeah. I don't know. Am, am I off on this? Is there going to be a grand champion of this movie out there? Well, explain your disappointment more. Like, where, where do oh, you... Oh, I got a lot. Okay, then, then uh, we'll be better situated to right. possibly challenge that. Because I, I, I was ready from what you and Dave had said about this to feel like a just a precipitous falling off of quality. Uh, both yeah. of you had at least led me to believe that this is going to be very much like a Hollywood thriller through and through. And so I watched it with some wariness... And was really surprised by how much I liked it. And maybe because I was ready for a, a very large letdown. Um, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. I, I th- I, I, there are parts towards the end that I feel that you know, lessen the quality of the movie. But I still think it's a really good movie. So I, I, I would put the first hour up with you know, Wendy and Lucy, Old Joy. I think it's that good. Right? I would add even another 20 minutes to, like, right right, maybe, to, right to the plot of, like, what to do with the squealer, then it starts to get... I think it's know. a little earlier than that, yeah. but I'm with you. But so what makes that so good, right? It is this very taught, considered character study of these three people that um, are all part of this kind of, let's say, subculture... Right, but have different points of view and different motivations, and I'm fascinated by that. It's almost documentary-like in terms of its uh, depth of consideration about in good documentaries, anyway. Right, um, and and it, it's about a world I don't know about that much, and I'm interested in. You know, it has all these great political ideas that's surrounding it, thought-provoking, great. That movie never finishes. Right. What happens is rather than really deal with environmentalism, radicalism, what, you know, what real people go through, it throws this extraordinary, you know, you know, uh, plot point in there, which I'm for. Right. You know, blowing up the, the dam. I'm all for it. But doesn't really deal with the real fallout of it. The movie shifts and it becomes a conventional thriller like like uh, the hand that rocks the cradle or some bullshit from the 90s. Right. Like uh, Pacific Heights or something like that. And now it's this, you know, thriller of, you know, he's going to kill the girl and how do we get out of this situation? And it really, we don't hear about environmentalism or what it means or the fallout of that. You know, what does it really mean for a person to, to take individual responsibility for something, you know, their actions? Because I'm, I'm now worried about this, this other area, right? It becomes something else. You with me? Yeah. And, and so ultimately, I see the whole film as a, a grand cop-out. I, I, go ahead. I don't know if it's a grand cop-out, but 
I definitely see what you're saying. I, I was just reading an interview about with her about this film, and the way that she uh, sort of uh, framed it was. This is a, a, a film about a character and its characterization and its character development. The Jesse Eisenberg character, you mean? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, that, that would be obviously the, 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 the focal well, point. Well, see, it's obvious by the end, but I don't think it's obvious in the first half. Yeah. The strength is that the Dakota Fanning character is just as prominent, I think, and that falls away. I, I think that's a big problem for me with the film is that relationships in the film are not clearly defined and it's hard to really understand how these people are all connected. Mm-hmm. When you first start... You know, Josh and, and Dana, is that right? Yeah. You know, you, Dina. Dina. Dina, excuse me. You almost wonder if, like, are they together in a relationship? Like, there are moments where, like, he's, he cares about her well-being, this and that, but they're not. And then and then when you get with that guy in the woods, um, Josh, clearly he and Josh have a, a kind of backstory. But, but that's a, right? that gives you a real sense that it's, it, uh, there's, it's, it's natural that mm-hmm. way. Because I agree. very rarely do you enter into it, an actual scenario and then, like, you know, yeah. you give your backstory. Josh gives his backstory. Right. You know, so, so it's a pretty much you're just brought into that moment and you're left to uh, fill in the pieces of, of what existed uh, beforehand. But what I was saying before about yeah. this was like a, a, about character development and then the way that she worded it was who and all these people just happen to have this political point of view. So, and, yeah, and I yeah. get that, that that's very complicated because that is something unique that you don't necessarily see in, in, in your everyday movie. It does overshadow the character itself. And once you, once you blow up a dam, once you exactly. murder somebody, you accidentally fall into the the, the, the the channels of films that 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 highlight those things and yeah. spotlight them. I, 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 I think we agree I think that's a little disingenuous this is very much a movie about the subculture right it's not about just some av- these are not just average dudes that's true but 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 can't a subculture just have a a, a normal sort of mundane until you blow up the bridge the death until you blow up right something. because that's an extraordinary <laughs> event that is something yeah. that does not happen often. But I thought, I mean, the, to tie this back to where the whole conversation began with River of Grass, you know, the point that's made on the next day when Josh is back at the farm mm-hmm. and the, I don't know what, I guess it's the owner of the farm, yeah. says, look, these people are idiots because that river is damned how many times? Like 12 mm-hmm. times. Like you have to blow up at least 20 dams in order to make a difference. The whole idea, you think that you're making this grand gesture yeah. and ultimately it's, you know, you're, it's so belittled and it's realizing, you know, you, you thought you were living the, the Bonnie and Clyde or the, the romance of the eco-terrorist sure. dream. And I think that that's unfortunately becomes a casualty of another narrative, which is the narrative of guilt about the loss of that camper. I, I really think that, it, and I think the reason why you have to pull in the, the Dina character's guilt and she then needs to be sacrificed because like one, you know, it, it's a distraction. Whereas if I was talking earlier with somebody who is remaining mute here around the table, what? and I think she and I were agreeing <laughs> that if, if the movie had like stitched out the whole murder subplot and went ended with the scene of Josh in the sporting goods store, basically sacrificing his dream to great. Door. You I, have you have yeah. a, a much more solid movie. I totally agree. But, but again, that that is a major fault of the movie. But I don't think that that ratchets down the movie to a subpar oh. shitty movie. No, I not think it's, shitty. It's but... a fault of the movie, but mm. I, I still think that it's it's a uh, it's a movie that perhaps was grappling with with too much. 
You know, oh, I think that no. you could. No, no, no. I think it, it's it's really spot on and, and just doesn't finish. It doesn't finish playing out, you know, what the real reverberation. I, that, that scene, I think, I think it, is a good I scene. Think it, I think it does. I think that it's distracted. I think it, by grappling too much, what I mean is the whole, the narrative of the participants' guilt and what that drives them to do is, to me, a different movie. It's it, a different it, it movie. Felt, it felt like, right, that's what I that's mean by grappling with too much. I think it actually does uh, is very nicely circumscribed. Go ahead, Tom. <laughs> well, you're saying guilt. You said guilt like five times, but but what does the movie end on? Self preservation. So it, there's yeah. a massive shift from because guilt, I assume, is consuming all three characters from what we could see or what we could hear on the phone call with Harmon. We obviously see it with the female character, and then the Josh character. Yeah, he he is bothered by it, but what wanes out? He's up. He wants to protect himself, and that's right. why he's going to commit murder and stuff like that. So it's the idea of self preservation versus your philosophy and your ideology. Yeah. You know, if he was willing to go down with it, then he'd be some sort of a martyr. But going back to that conversation you had about or mentioned about the the, the, the breakfast conversation. He's going down for something that really doesn't matter. Maybe he'd feel better about it if this was like, you know, something that took down the Death Star of sorts and he could kind of serve out his time in jail or something. Because I mentioned the Death Star. This did have a very, uh, uh, like, bridge over the River Kwai <laughs> yeah, yeah, type definitely. of, uh, there's, uh, you know, Guns of the Navarone type of notion where you, and, and, I, and that was a part of the movie that also, just to go with, like, doing too much, I felt that there were several movies in this. There is a Kelly Reichert movie in the beginning. Yes. And then it shifts to, and, and we were, while we were watching this, we were talking about how it had a very um, uh, Apocalypse Now feel as you're sort of going up the, the river. Mm-hmm. You're, 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 you're going on a mission, and your mission is to blow something up, which is seen in, like, so many movies. And then it becomes some sort of Hitchcockian sort of thriller oh, of that's sorts. very generous. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Kelly Reichert's at her best when she allows time for us to spend in characters yes. and not let and not force the plot to somehow drive the, 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 the film forward. You know, for her, it's not about events and narrative as much as it's about the people. And she even said that on, in the interview. Mm-hmm. When you look at Meek's cutoff, so little happens. Wendy and Lucy, very little happens, right? And then even in Old Joy, those guys don't come in. It, it's hard to know their relationship when we first get on. But she gives us time and we just spend time with them and we get to see that. This film's a little bit different because she has things that she wants to put into the narrative. She has a storyline, and it's a big event, as you suggested yeah. before, and that takes it takes more work to kind of delve into that. We do get time with Jesse Eisenberg. We do get like these these just long, you know, two minute, three minutes of just him mm-hmm. contemplating. What, but it is once again, you blow things up, and you have you know that 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 um, tension of being caught that overshadows the plot overshadows. Everything. I don't think that's a deficit, though. I don't know why that's. I mean, really. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm all for the the long static shots of you know yeah. you know complete what do they call them longours or whatever you know static shots of the countryside in in Meek's cutoff. But I don't think I, I don't think it's fair to say that because shit happens in this movie because what I'm getting the criticism is again I'm simplifying it but. The criticism is because there is so much action in this movie, and by action I don't mean Hollywood action, I mean things actually happen in the movie. Plot points. That, plot right, plot points. I, I think that everything is done very well, and I think you have a Kelly Reichert movie that does suspense very well, very effectively. I was very satisfied with it. My, I think I, I'm with you on everything you say when you apply it to the aftermath because you're making it sound like that blowing up of that dam is like this apocalyptic event. 
One, it's a small dam. Two, it's not shown. The whole time it happens, like it's leading up to it, y- you realize that these guys think that they are like the men in the, the bridge, what, yeah, yeah, the yeah. River Kwai movie, right? When in fact, it, it seems kind of like a pathetic, you know, kind of like, you know, a cry from the heart, but ultimately it's just going to be squashed by everything you see around you. So I, I think everything is super effective because I'm watching this and I'm not like, God, I can't believe they blew up the damn dam. You know, I'm, I'm like, okay, they blew up the dam. Now what? And I think if the movie had continued with that feel of them really feeling like they're wanted by the law, but of course the law doesn't actually catch them, and then better movie, better yes, better movie. right. But it, but I, I think the cr- criticism that I'm getting from th- the three of you is the movie is also suffers from the fact that it doesn't have more character development. No, no, I thought, I no, 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 reading because I feel like this is a a very effective marriage of a like a portrait of a subculture a character study of three individuals and a suspense movie all in one where it just goes too far in the latter half towards the suspense angle but then brings it back effectively but is lessened because of that you know what I mean but 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 perhaps it's an argument of degree yeah I think so okay like most things are. Look at the sequence of images and shots when the dam gets blown up. They're running through the woods. They all jump in the car. They're breathing heavily. It's quiet. They slow, and you're waiting for that dam to blow up. You know the timer is a key part to this whole scene. Uh, you're waiting. The breath slowly comes down. The breath slowly stops. And then you hear the explosion. And then the dude, Harmon, like, almost like chuckles a little bit. There's a, a journey to that entire shot and we don't even actually see the action. Compare that to when Eisenberg kills, when Josh kills Dina in that scene. Like, there's just, that's, that strain of images in that killing scene does not hold up to the, the blowing up of the dam. You know, like, that works. The other one doesn't. I just think that's part of the problem, is that I, there's parts of the movie that don't hold up to the rest of the yeah, That's what I'm saying. That's, like, that's, that's the point I'm saying. You yeah. take out that, you take out that, I, it's not even a subplot because it becomes such a, a major moment in the movie, but you take that out, and I think you have a movie that ranks among her best movies. I don't think that wow. it's... Yeah. I, the, the thing is, is that the reason why you need Eisenberg... Remember we, we joked briefly when we were watching the film about how the movie becomes about Josh's character, right? The thing yeah. is, is... at That's the, a big problem for you. The end of the film... Like, so you brought up before about it becomes survival, yeah? When he enters that store at the end, do you see the images of things he looks at? First, he looks at binoculars, reconnaissance, finding out information. Then he looks at knives, violence, Mm -hmm. fighting back. The last thing he looks at, backpacks and sleeping bags, survival, escape, getting away. There's a train to those thoughts that are going on in his head. And we only get this... And, and actually, where does the echo terrorist actually have to hide? It's like a Batman film. He has to hide in society. He has to go back to the city and get a job and, and hide out with the rest of the people because out in the wilderness, that's where all the echo terrorists are. Yeah. So the irony for him, at the, I think the irony she was going for at the end of the film necessitated some kind of a personal thing that in Josh's character. He had to have you know, the killing in order to focus on that one person. Now, that becomes a choice. I don't know if it works or not, but... See, I think all of that is stronger if he doesn't kill the girl. Yeah. It, it, it is, right? Because it's him fleeing from his own, you know, moral mm-hmm. corruption or something like that. It becomes more considered. It's more of a character study then. 
you know? And uh, you know what? And we and she should be alive and she should go off and, and have a different kind of struggle. And the other guy should have a different kind of struggle. And we should really play out the very complicated characters that were established. His best acting moment is when he flashes her and he wants her to get into the truck. And instead of being just this angry guy, which he plays the whole movie, he actually sits back. He leans back. He puts his arm up on the, on the truck couch, uh, the upholstery of the truck. And he says, no, no, come on, it's okay, come in. And he actually acts. He has to act for her to get her in the truck, but it's actually the one point when he acts, and there you see so much depth in his character. That could have been played out more instead of the plot. We don't get to see what's going on in, in his life as much as he, things have to happen to him in order to put him on the run. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you don't think that Josh is the focal point from the beginning of the movie? Because you're, you're saying that you feel as though it's not so clear in the beginning. I think because we know so little about Josh except that he... We don't know anything about his background other than he's at this this farm. We do know that uh, Dina went to college. <coughs> there is a, a quip about Connecticut, which I don't know how seriously we're supposed to take that, but she clearly has money because yeah. she's the one with yeah. the credit card. Yeah, I thought card. that was really clear. So we know she about her book. background. She's given up her... Her kind of elite North, yeah. you know, Eastern background, and and you know is dabbling in you know, well, you know, taking a walk in the wild side and eco terrorism. She yeah, she's like slumming. Harmon, Harmon, I get the sense with him from just little things that he says that he he doesn't seem all that sincere about the whole thing as well. Like he right. he wants to do it right, but he also seems like he's really quick to sell people out. Josh seems the conscience of the movie the whole time, which is why I think the the murder is supposed to be devastating. It is, but it, I don't think it. Like I think we all agree, it's not effective in the movie, and that's why I think the final shot of him in the sporting goods store, which should represent which all good. that he is, you know, it's the commodification of the outdoors, sure. which we've seen glimpses of the whole time. I think I think that you know is much more effective with Josh being the focal point for the whole movie. For me, it, he was he was the, uh, the the eyes of everything I'm watching are coming from him. See, I'm much more interested in her, and I think the first hour of the movie has her as prominent as him. Um, so think about the scene about where that. she buys the fertilizer. You know what I mean? That 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 is intensely about her character mm. and and her commitment. We're supposed to kind of wonder about her based on the Mel's conversation about her, and it turns out that she's actually way more on board than anybody else. And you know, yeah. and that makes me rethink that conversation about her and her privilege before mm. and whether I'm, you. That scene's strong. That's a strong scene, man. I um, like how she turns into a sexist thing in order to get what she wants. Right? You mm-hmm. know. She diverts. The, the scene is about safety and terrorism and doing the right thing as a citizen, right? Everybody up until that point is trying to do the right thing. Yeah. The guy's like, look, you got to go talk to the boss. Boss, like, you need ID. And then she flips it on them and takes total control in this kind of male world. It's a great moment. There's also a very subtle thing where she does some sex appeal thing. Right? She takes she, off her hat. She takes off her hat and strokes her, her hair, hand. which yeah. I think that's what she's going for And she for specifically that. says, isn't there anything we could work out? She says something right. like that, which is very vague and... Yeah, yeah, like like it's kind of flirty. So I know all of that demonstrates a depth of character I'm, that makes me more interested in her than than the dog than uh, than him. And I get the other guy, the Peter Sarsgaard character. He's he's, he's more more marginal. I get it. He's funny. oh, he's very good. I like him. But uh, you know, I like they all come in with their different motivations, right? They all represent a different kind of identity in this larger culture. You know. 
And and I believe it, right? I believe the realism of them 100% across the board. I don't feel the same way at the end. Josh is more of a blank slate, though. We never really get his motivation. I get that. We yeah. have to feel it out, which is why I think he's a much more compelling... I'm not saying that the Dakota Fanning character is at all not compelling. She's great. I've never seen her in a movie before, but I've heard her name. I don't know that I have. I think she's outstanding in this. She's great in this. I think her performance is probably the strongest of the three. But as far as the the way the characters are drawn, I think because Josh is something of a cipher from the beginning, we're, we're putting so much on him trying to suss out his motives and because of those assumptions, right, by the by the time we get to the end and find that, like Tom said, self-preservation is ultimately what wins out, it's it's pretty, you know, damning, you know, judgment on on making any sort of effort. You know what I mean? It's 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 a very di- distressing ending. Yeah. Because so. well, like you know, you like what what really is I guess the only people that seem to be doing right by the world are you know the 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 family, the, the family, farmers. the farmers, and those kind of non-confrontational, non-you know, uh, heroic efforts. You know, the small. So, so that's the question, right? Few of them. So, how much does the movie want us to sympathize with these people, the Eisenberg, the Fanning character, right? I I think back and forth. Yeah, I well, I don't even know back and forth. I think um, the movie just is trying to do that kind of neo-neo-realism thing where they just kind of present it to you and you make your decisions. And that's very effective in the first half, I think, right? I don't think it's taking a firm stand. The only moralizing I hear from the movie is that scene where the guy says, well, look outside, that's the right thing. It takes a long time. But I'm also supposed to believe that that doesn't get us very far. Joe, there are a lot of moments that she does, that Riker does, that that has these kind of conflicting points of view. It starts in an underground cult documentary showing where the first thing you do is you get a girl who's sarcastic. Yeah, it's like this kind of like little cultish underground like filming uh, uh, where the echo terrorists are. Yeah, I get it. uh, it. You know, it had a little bit of that feel. But that's a fan. That's that. No, I get that. I get that. So the thing is, is you've got um, the first girl's response was like, uh, you know, oh, great. Thanks for this movie. But it sounded sarcastic as as if like, what's it going to really do? The second guy gets up and he's like, this might do too much because the images people might not be ready for. Then Dakota Fanning's character comes in and she talks about no no but like and she's in the middle she's like no well what can we do like what, what are you trying to suggest we're supposed to do at this point that was a very natural moment where you had this kind of conflicting views about what what humans must feel like in regards to our relationship to the environment yeah. and she does that a few times one is the fishing scene uh where the, the scene where they're on the boat going to blow up the dam and Harmon and dina are talking about fishing Mm-hmm. And there's no real conclusion about that because his last, because her her thought was like you know the fish aren't going to be there in 20 years and his last he gets the last word he says well maybe you should come fishing sometime you know yeah. and and then it just ends and it, and it's a struggle and it happens again with that dad on the farm like you're talking yeah. about but the other kid on the farm presented a good case too right when he said <clears throat> I just want people to like you know use less and he had a, a good point she never gives you a, a kind of solid conclusion. Throughout they're, the film, they're all valid points of view within this world. I yep. I like that. Yeah, it, just want to take like a, a big macro sort of view of this. You back away from this and just remove uh, the ideas of the environment out of this. This is this is all these people. They're on a different sort of uh, part of the spectrum of change. You know, yeah, you yeah. have someone who 
obviously we don't really have people who don't want it. Or maybe the, maybe the guy who sells the boat, like he represents, you know, I am, and yeah. this, is, this is what we are. But then, you know, then you got, you move towards reform and then you move towards revolution. So this, this is an age old question. Like, what do you do? Do you, do you do big, do you do the little things like have a farm and do things peacefully? Or do you have to pick up the pitchfork and, and, and sort of go at, you know, the big powers that be? Yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, I, there's all different dichotomies, right? The, um, the documentarian at the end says, well, do we do the big thing then? Or I'm going to do a lot of little things. It's, it's vague. What does that mean? Everyone's talking these kind of vague ideas because nobody has a solid answer. They just have this kind of sense of what is right and what is wrong. Mm-hmm. You know? This yeah. goes to the heart of the environmental problem, and it comes up in an article we read from the New Yorker. Remember the Doomsday Invention? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, the Doomsday Invention. <laughs> they were interviewing this guy from England, this guy Bartram, I think his name was. Yeah. And this guy eventually says, toward the end of the, ar- the article, he says, the essay, he goes, look, there are two kind of camps you can take with regards to the environment. Either, you know, nothing we do is going to change anything, Right. Or what can any one person do to really change the system? And those stand on either poles. And the guy and Bartram goes, and you know what their answer is to both of those? Do nothing. And and he he was arguing against that. He was saying that there, on either end is a sort of laziness as as to what we're going to do. The question is, it's some the answer is somewhere in the middle, and we have to do something. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this film is trying to put to us. You know, it's trying to put those two poles out there, but never gives us a clear cut. Answer, and I think that's the strongest part about the film is that we're left still thinking about yeah. what we need to do. So he's a futurist, right? So he's thinking about this in a completely different way than we are, or you know, the people that are portraying this film are. But he doesn't have a valid answer for what I need to do today either. Right? Exactly. You know, nobody does. No, that's the problem. You know, modernity has set up, you know, the tragedy <laughs> of the commons. Well, modernity has set up the this idea that answers exist until you really look for them, and you know. They don't. There's just more choices at the ready that you can ignore or, which is, you know, fruitlessly engage in. Which is the last image of the film of him with the job application yeah. versus the woman texting in the mirror. Yeah. You know, everything's I, choice. I love all this shit, right? Yeah. This is all good and so well done. Yeah. I, I, maybe the problem is that Kelly Reichert herself or, or Raymond, you know, the writer, that they, they just gave up trying to find an answer anyway said you know let's make a, a dopey Hitchcock knockoff at the end I don't it know looked, it looked I mean, like Psycho at the end right, of the headlights yeah. <laughs> I, I mean right don't, don't, don't you see like like at center the diversion of all these questions is what frustrates me and I think yeah I, you're right Josh it's a question of degree but for me it, it's enough to to like start saying oh yeah no this isn't a good movie anymore if you're not going to play out the the promise of the beginning yeah I don't maybe I'm being a little too rough and you know I love Kelly Reichert you know I mean love her love her to death but uh yeah this one just falls flat and it's really I mean you really you really after everything we've just discussed like all the all the things are right it falls flat yes I find that very surprising I, I really love the first hour though I do I don't know it's tough so the, what is the question you're asking, right? Does the movie have to end well in order to... Oh, I think it ends, I think it ends perfectly for this movie. Yeah. I well, you mean the Eisenberg scene? Yeah, I, I think yeah. the final scene and I think the even leading up to it, if you, if you could, if that guilt over killing the girl, if that is in fact guilt, but it does seem like there's guilt or distress or something, if you could instead splice that over to the fear of being caught instead of having him actually kill the girl and just leave them all kind of hanging all on threads, all like 
you know, in yeah. that state of uncertainty and then show, not show what she's chosen to do, not show what Harmon has chosen to do, but show what the, the person that has been the foil for us, the person that is, that we have to put upon our feelings because, again, I think when he's introduced, Josh, he is something of a cipher. And then to see that that is what he has chosen, self-preservation, then we have to question, well, what would we do in that situation? I, I think this... That is the answer. The answer is you you go along and get along. You know, you you basically, you know, choose self-preservation. I don't know that that is the right answer, but that is certainly what the vast majority of us will do. I agree with all that, but I think there's another layer, too. He's, by getting a job and becoming a square like everyone else, he's going to get caught, isn't he? I don't think that's the idea. I I get the impression that, that his real option is to flee, and he's not. He's going to stick around and get a job. Well, and that, and basically, you know, then why put not himself turn in himself, the open. He's eventually going to get caught. Why not turn himself in? Like you know, I the whole th- you know what because I think he's a coward. Yeah, I think I think there's more to. I think the other layer is that that's a possibility. But the fact that he's actually in a sporting goods store, and we first of all we don't realize that he's there for a job. That's another one of those suspense twists yeah, yeah. that mm-hmm. I like. You know, and to say it's a dopey Hitchcockian, you know. Twist. I think it'd be too hard. I mean, yeah, I, th- I think we are supposed to, like the headlights in the back mirror. I think we are supposed to think of you know cinematic antecedents, Psycho. but I don't yeah. necessarily think that that's super negative. Like, I mean, I mean, you're making this sound like it's there's two specific psycho references. Yeah, there. of course, yeah. right? The, the lights and the, the headlights, and also um, well, killing the girl in essentially a shower. You oh, know, I, I didn't even get yeah, that. No, I, I get it. Like, I, I know. Uh, it's it's not handled very deftly, but I think the d- dismiss out of hand, you know, turns into schlocky, dopey, you know, oh, Hitchcock. Yeah, I my, think that's too much. more subtle. When when uh, the the truck pulls out, and uh, it seems like the truck's not going to be able to pull the boat because it's too yeah. heavy. I thought a psycho when Norman Bates sinks the car. And the car starts stops singing. You go like, "Oh no! I hope he gets away with it," and, and it implicates you, right? Because the, the they're not pulling the boat. I'm like, "Oh man, you gotta get the boat up! What do you do?" So I think that that's great. I didn't even think of that. That yeah. I think that speaks then to what she's doing in a much more you know yeah, well, depth man. What, what about the card not starting gag? Oh yeah, yeah. There's a, there's like two or three too yeah. many of those. Yeah. Like when they first get in the well, in the car and you know when they're fleeing yeah. and it doesn't start right away. You're like, the, All right. There are a lot of moments in this film that don't feel totally real to me, and they're coupled with moments that feel incredibly real. And I think that's part of the problem with the film is that there are moments that are very believable for the development of characters, and there are others that just kind of take take us out. And and that's an example of one of them. Well, the other would have been the actual killing scene. I mean, think about how much different it would be if he walks into the spa toward the end of the film and the next thing is you just cut and you see like an image of her feet lying on the ground and we hear about it through a news story. Like you don't necessarily need to show that scene in order to pull it off if that's in fact what the film, the plot of the film is, is requiring of you. Maybe slightly better. Yeah. yeah. I, think. I, I don't think so. I think, I think you got to remove the whole thing. <laughs> oh, no, me too. Yeah, of I think course, you got to remove the whole thing. And by the way, I, I even like the idea of, because of, she clearly thinks he's there to kill her and if it didn't happen, because then you, mm-hmm. then the idea yes. is yeah. that like oh yep. my gosh, think, look what like look at our perceptions. Like how oh, well do you yes. really know each other? And then leave it because Dave, you're you're when you talk about him, Josh being in the truck saying come on in. I mean he that's the to me that's the character acting 
trying to be mm-hmm. like this, you know, dangerous, you know, seduction of no, no, I don't want to hurt you. That's when the yeah, movie yeah. to me starts, you right. know, going downhill. That mm-hmm. aspect, like, oh my god, like, is he really going? He's not actually going to go through with this, mm-hmm. right? Because I think that's the first time he shows up, right? Yeah, yep. right. He doesn't right, actually, the first interaction, right? right. Because right. he doesn't actually follow her after right. it. Yep. Um. So, since we're talking about the killing scene, I thought technically it was it kind of sucked too, right? So. Why is the sauna on? They're closing up everything. The sauna shouldn't be on. Why is she hiding in the sauna? If it's why on? hide? You always fucking run. End of story. You well, run yeah. the hell away. If she can get out of the building, why not run down the street yeah, and find people? Scream. You're, you're walking into the backyard of an, what you know is an abandoned place. Now again, she's not going to be in her right mind at this point. She's distracted, but I, it's it's just so you can get the Hitchcock reference. Maybe I don't know. I thought it was all too silly. The um. I don't know, it looked clumsy, the choreography of it too, like when he grabs her ankle and they fall, that is what reminded me of River of Grass, like this kind of like stilted clunkiness in the acting, and I don't expect her to do a good action sequence, that's why I love her, because she's better than that. Yes, at one point they're pulling away with the boat and the dynamite, and as they're pulling away, the door of the inside of the boat is open so you can see the dynamite. Really? You don't duct tape that close? Like you just leave that open so everybody that's in the world could just see the dynamite? That's, no, that's man. There are moments that are not real. Yeah. They're not authentic and unfortunately that hurts the sincerity of the film right. because it's not Kelly Reichert's strength. Well, think what we're saying here. She's great when she does what she knows. Exactly. You know, alternative lifestyle people in Oregon, right? And exactly. Once we start blowing up things and get out of, like, the comfort zone of, of that neo-neorealism that, uh, that I think... I don't think I've ever great. disagreed with you more, though. I mean, the <laughs> idea that you would say that she has to be circumscribed by, that this is the only thing that she can do, I think she does a masterful job of creating suspense, something that we have not seen since River of Grass. Oh, no. Which I know is kind of clunky. Oh, no. The set. Old Joy is in, and Wendy and Lucy have incredible suspense. Yeah, let me finish. Oh, in a traditional <laughs> Hollywood Hitchcockian way. Yeah. Because the suspense that is done in Meek's Cutoff, the suspense that is done in Old Joy, and even the suspense in Wendy and Lucy, right? They're they're very they're hard one. You know what I mean? It's 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 of such a human scale. Yeah. So why not? Try something different to say that oh she she's not allowed because what you're basically saying is Kelly Riker is a different kind of filmmaker she's not allowed to try to make what is a conventional suspenseful film that has sequences of action. See, she's allowed if it works. I just don't see it working. I think it works. I don't up think I'm to, going in saying right. you're not allowed to do it. I'm saying look, this is clear not the case because I see half of this film that is amazing and half that doesn't work because of these things. I think I'm coming to this conclusion naturally. That may be fair, but I think I think that she... I don't know. I, I The way it sounded like you were saying it is that... You no, know, I, she, love when, I love when directors go outside right. of like, like what is expected of them. I right. think that's a great thing. But I, I also think that, you know, you kind of have to know your limitations and your strengths, I guess, and this one just doesn't match up. I mean, you agree with that sentiment. I agree with the sentiment on, on particular aspects, although I forgot about the, all, the boats. Multiple times the boat is shown with the door yeah. open. I forgot oh, yeah. about that. At the time, I was thinking the same thing. Like, <laughs> what? Why is she showing that? <laughs> Clearly, yeah. they would have shut that. Okay. 
even like <laughs> even like Josh replacing the little bird's nest on one of his like work walks. You know, like in the middle of work, Josh, where's Josh? Oh, he's supposed to be cutting heads of lettuce. Oh, no, he's walking through the woods. And what is he doing? He's replacing bird nests, like, along with Snow White. It, 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 it was problematic. That doesn't feel natural. That doesn't feel authentic. You know? Uh, I think there are moments through the film that that, that occurs. Um, it's almost a little too heavy-handed Yeah. for the plot. Yeah, I think so. You you might be able to say the same thing of the uh, deer on the side of the road. Uh, I like that scene, but... There might be one or two too many of those to make it let me read, reasonable. Let me read you a poem. You ready? Yeah. This is a poem by William Stafford. William Stafford is an Oregon poet, and this is a poem that's often anthologized, and it's written in, like, I want to say the 50s. Traveling through the dark. Traveling through the dark, I found a deer dead on the edge of the Wilson River Road. It is usually better to roll them into the canyon. The road is narrow. To swerve might make more dead. By glow of the taillight, I stumbled back of the car and stood by the heap, a doe, a recent killing. She had stiffened already, almost cold. I dragged her off. She was large in the belly. My fingers touching her side brought me the reason. Her side was warm. Her fawn lay there waiting, alive, still, never to be born. Beside the mountain road, I hesitated. The car aimed ahead its lowered parking lights. Under the hood purred the steady engine. I stood in the glare of the warm exhaust turning red. Around our group, I could hear the wilderness listen. I thought hard for us all, my only swerving, then pushed her over the edge into the river. Man. That's the exact scene. Yeah. That Stafford scene right there. Yeah. I mean, that has to be uh, Raymond... like, you know, aware, right? yeah. yeah, something. And, and did you yeah. did you know that poem? You must yeah. have known that poem ahead of time. Oh, that's yeah. pretty. That's a, one of those amazing connections. Yeah. Yeah, um, cool. Oh yeah, he's, you mentioned that like years ago, like right after you first saw it. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You noticed that. But the thing is, is like now that could easily be an allusion to to William Stafford. He's a famous Oregon poet. Um, I think that, and by the way, I still think that scene works, especially as an allusion. Yeah, me too. There, yeah. there are great moments. There are very real moments in this film. Where, um, you know, Riker gets to the heart of, you know, the, the, the environmental crisis. The farm family's discussion, for example, mm-hmm. was a great real scene. You know, I, I have a whole bunch of them. And then there are some that just aren't as real. And I think, you know, it's the fault of trying to perhaps push a plot forward versus allow the characters to develop naturally and unfold like she does in Old Joy or like she does in Wendy and Lucy. And I just think, you know, maybe it's not, it's just... This film doesn't work like the others work. Yeah. You know, there's nothing at fault or... or... So the deer scene, right? Uh, I think we're supposed to... It's another example of, you know, modernity destroying nature. I get all that. Um, but are we supposed to make a connection to his murder at the end, too? Right? In other words, if I'm somebody that cares so much about nature and the natural order of things, you know, can my mind be twisted when I'm in such a state of panic and guilt? Whatever that. I don't know about guilt so much, but... Um, that I, I can kind of make that justification, right? To me, a lot of this movie is about, you know, the, the problems of justifying bad behavior, you know, be, you know, ends justifying the mean and a kind of righteousness that gets you there. Is, is there a connection there or something? I'm trying to figure out, like, like, something to do with that imagery beyond just another example of modernity. I think it has to have something to do with how the plot unfolds. I don't know. Who's buying that? Um... I, I think, 
I think the film definitely gets at the heart of indecision is sometimes you're left in a sort of paralysis. We've talked a lot about paralysis. You don't know what to do because anything you do do somehow has an effect if you're connected to the system. How do you disconnect from the system or, 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 or for these people, bring the system down? And ultimately, I really think that for Josh's character, he had to hide out in civilization. That's where they weren't going to find him if he can go into the obscure city where there are lots of people. And, and then, of course, what happens to him? He's not, he, he now is a part of the system. He's going to have to get a cell phone and he's going to have to get a mailing address. Yeah, and, and it's that's complex. And, and that's complex for his character. Well, even when he's looking at you know the uh, sleeping bags and stuff, I had the thought that you know even if this dude was does want to flee and go into the woods, you need what civilization provides in yeah. order to yeah. survive. You know what I mean? There is no such thing as pure primitive living. No. You know that's that's a romantic illusion that you know hikers and campers tell themselves. I like I don't like to camp. Right? Um, I, I always think it's a kind of I don't know yeah romantic thing that that approximates, you know, something you can never achieve, mm-hmm. you know? It's a primal masquerade. Like, everybody attempts to, masquerade. to turn back the clock, no matter yeah. what, you know? Um, but if we had to do it in the for real, we probably wouldn't feel very comfortable with it, you know, Not 24-7. No. It's, a, it's like when we watch dystopian-type things and there's, like, a post-apocalyptic sort of moment it's where you're, you're living in a Hobbesian world. Right. It's because of this, the strictures of society are just so overwhelming that you just have these fantasies of what it's like to if you just sort of, like, cleared the decks and started over. So I think camping is sort of an extension of that. So sure. you will go into a camping store. It's like, it's like this tableau of... Uh, of, uh, you know, of, of, of that sort of camping, sort of hiking sort of world, you know, one that's sort of very, very neat and very, very clean. And that and that's the painful part of it, because, you know, because he's going to be after, he has to reside in that sort of sterile world for the foreseeable future or whatever. But even the bomb they create is going to come from. From modernity, right? Modernity. It's, 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 it's coming modernity from the suburbs. It's, it's, it's coming yeah. from the, the farm that produces the fertilizer, fertilizer. which is an art, artificial with, sort of way right. of, of, of propagating the earth. Same with the boat, and same with the, one of the actual eco-terrorists, right? In order to pull this whole thing off, you needed somebody from the inside, someone mm-hmm. who was once connected to civilization, who actually has any money. A marine. Yeah. Well, oh, no, 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 the girl. girl. The girl. Oh, and a marine. That's and a marine. So you two that are connected. Right, he's got the skills because he's been through the system. He's part of it. And he's been in jail. Right, he's been through the the uh, you know skeletal system of, of uh, yeah. the American experience. And going back to the the dead deer, it had been rolling around in, in, in my head for a while. I took it completely differently. Like his connection with the deer, yeah. I saw I saw it as like his communion with this thing that was that was uh, pregnant and didn't engender what it was supposed to engender. Oh, okay, so I because I, I thought that he himself, one reason why he is going to be on the run and probably why you guys use cowardice to describe him you know I, I wouldn't at want at the end yeah, or, or, it came up at this table a couple of yeah, minutes at the end coward. yeah I, I don't you know going back to how people will interpret this you know he blew up a dam and that's like small potatoes and it's not as if he sort of did the big thing the big thing that he you would assume that a lot of those shots where he's you know, he's leaning against a pillar, he's watching the movie, he's sitting and contemplating, you know, all this rumination, he's probably fantasizing about the big thing, you know, he is not an eco-terrorist, he's an eco-hero, you know, and um, the deer, the children, like, it it didn't live out its existence, it didn't live out its whatever purpose was, and I felt that that was the communion between the two, uh, you know, him and and that. 
Yeah, I'm buying all that. I, I think that's great. And that's the tension in the film, I think, that you were bringing up before, the tension that is his character. Well, know? there's a couple tensions, I think, that that brings up, right? Because one of the problems with him is he's emasculated, right? He, in a couple different ways, he's emasculated by the corporate world, you know, um, that is impinging upon his, you know, primitive fantasy mm-hmm. of living his own, you know, life, you know, based on his own mm-hmm. choices, all of that. That is paralleled by him being, uh, right? I, I, I took that, that uh, the other two have sex. Yeah, yeah right? I did yeah, too, that's, yeah. yeah. Right, that's what happens when he goes up to the, mm-hmm. right, he hears them moaning or something. Um, so, he, you know, there's probably some notion that they're Bonnie and Clyde and they're going to get together and that's not going to kind of play itself out. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so his, his sense of self, of masculine self, is kind of being eroded, which is interesting, right, because we always associate that with a kind of right-wing, you know, um, kind of what middle American mm-hmm. kind of getting, getting, you know, drowned out of the conversation of, of liberalism. This is from a left-wing point of view. I think it's a very interesting, interesting twist I never thought about before. So is that why he has to kill her at the end? Because it's like a taking back of his masculinity? It's, a, it's this violent, aggressive act? Maybe. Because you, you can't know what? do anything else? That ain't bad. Maybe. Um, I, again, I, I still think it totally doesn't work, but, but that's not... So one other thing I noticed, uh, maybe from Arrested Development... She digs him, right? At the end, I don't know, does she have a name? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, she's yeah. given a name, though. In the, the yeah, the girl, the, the girl that's kind of hanging around the farm. and uh, she's Oh, yeah, yeah, moment. yeah. She likes him. Yeah, she likes him. I think so. And it's, it may, that scene they have, it's clear she knows already mm-hmm. that he's done the yeah. thing. Yeah. And she don't care. She's she turned wants, on by it. Yeah. She bought into the heroism. There is a... a kind of person in this movement that is going to buy into him. Yeah. There's so many different personality types, right? I love that this movie is so actively defying, you know, the one stereotype, all, all those, you know, crazy hippies that live out in the woods or something like that. That's when Riker's at her best. I agree. I agree. And as I said, like the spectrum of change. She's right. peppering different people along that spectrum, which is, which yeah. is really, really good. Yeah. The, the so, father of the family, the, the so. farmer, that girl who could... She even says at one point toward the end, are you going to Portland? Like, I, I would meet you there. You right. know, we oh, could she, run off together. She you wants know? to be Bonnie. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, there's a, definitely a, a large spectrum of different types of people involved. Yeah, and even like someone we never met, I, I think the one guy mentions like a guy named Randy and like what Randy <laughs> and then they say, oh, Randy's squatting and they say, oh, he's living the life it's, it's kind of a rough you know existence if you're just sort of squatting somewhere in Oregon but somewhere in their it's head like they, in old joy yeah, yeah exactly right. they exactly. wanted him to some sort of like you know he's sort yeah. of special yeah but you know I that that masculinity that heroism I mean does have an audience I think you know he's not wrong on it I like that I like I'm liking the idea that he kills the one girl and, but the other girl's there for him right that there's all these crazy options it's not yeah. so definitive and it, I mean, part of the reason why he's inspired to kill Dina is he's manipulated by Harmon, who ultimately, if you want to think of it as like a love triangle that he's been cuckolded, then he ultimately yeah. still manipulates right. him, mm-hmm. which I think is, I think that is a major part of the tension, which I think could easily have been left out for a stronger <laughs> movie. <laughs> so I think we're dancing around something that I'm interested in, right? Uh, we're, we're all liberal-minded people. I don't think that is a shock to anybody, but... Are, how sympathetic are we personally to th- this kind of action? You know what I mean? Um, I, I think in order, I think you have to contend with that a little bit when you watch this movie, right? Uh, I mean, I think I would tend towards 
you know, I, I wouldn't say the radical, but but I don't know. Are, are we? So I think we're probably more like the farmer, right? In our in our general philosophy, our general point of view, sure. and not like Jesse Eisenberg or Peter Skarsgård. I don't know. Are you are you asking us to do something? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but I think this might not be the time, dude. No, but I like <laughs> so. So my point is this. I don't think most of mainstream culture would see this movie and be sympathetic to those people. No, no, not right? at all. No. Um, I want to be sympathetic to them. I like that this movie is being made that allows for that possibility yeah. and isn't too heavy-handed about yeah. it and, and has that, you know, um, that flexibility. So there, there is that, though, clarion cry of the conversation at breakfast mm-hmm. the next day where it seems so, like that's where there seems like yeah. if there were ambiguity beforehand, that seems, you know, Raymond and Reichert are kind of putting out their hand to say, because when right in that light, it does seem an absurd gesture, right? Like it's, yeah. you know, not even taking apart the fact that, uh, you know, the, a camper is lost in it. And by the way, when they kept showing all those people vacationing in that area, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, my God, all those people are going to die. Like, that's, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So, you know, it, you know it, you're already led to believe that this, is this really worth it? And I think that's, that, that is the clearest point where the authors of the film are putting in a voice that, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I, I didn't have a problem with that because maybe no, I'm already. Maybe I'm already of that point of view that like this is absurd. Yeah, but you I, know, I, 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 I applaud the cause of trying to make the you know our resources more sustainable. But you know, I have a hard time rallying behind you know blowing up a dam, especially when it's you know seems to be a worthless gesture. Yeah, yeah, I totally get that. By the way, I, I love the idea that I don't really know like how big this is explosion supposed to be or like you know how power it could blow up the whole world for all i know right because i'm not in that world but they don't either really right maybe the, the marine dude does but he's shady and he's not telling yeah. them the truth no all no the time. dude one of my favorite parts is when he comes back to try to re- fix the timer and he looks at it for a second like shit i hope this works yeah <laughs> i love that moment can i turn this off if yeah I, need to? I don't really know right but there's a lot of ambiguity yeah i think that's all pretty good stuff um, yeah yeah I, maybe maybe the good in this is doesn't outweigh, but maybe I, I was a little harsh on it. I still think. By the way, I think it's a good movie. I'm I'm a little more toward Josh perhaps in this discussion, but I I mean, isn't that the whole point of, of yeah, looking once, at it? Once you roll your eyes at a movie and and it makes you reconsider what you just saw, that that's a big deficit. Yeah, and that's what happened to me here. I think a major problem is that it follows three very solid. Movies, you know what I mean? Like, of course, I, I would say flawless movies. I don't think I found anything that that, that I, yeah. you know, have any qualms with with uh, Meeks cut off Wendy and Lucy and Old Joy, and then yeah. this is the first, you know, if we're going to leave for now, River of Grass outside of the conversation, you know, because that is a flawed movie, but you know, I think a far better movie than any of you three are willing to give it credit. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think that's it's going to be tough to to see this movie, you know, and and not hold it to you know, an impossible standard. When I go see a play, I want to be lost in the magic of the theater. And the moment I get a glimpse that I'm actually at a play and I see, yeah. you know, if you see somebody on the wings running uh, off stage, you know, or if an actor comes out of character, 
Something, right? Or King Lear in, you know, Mexican res- wrestling <laughs> masks yeah. like we saw. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> that, that was wild. Story. That was wild. <laughs> it wasn't King Lear, just to be fair. It was Lear. It was no, Lear. It wasn't it was the character Lear. No, 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 it wasn't, it wasn't, the, it wasn't the character Lear. Lear. <laughs> but it was like Edmund. Yes. <laughs> but, like, I'll, I'll give you the point for you where that actually happened for you in this film. You made a joke today. You go, oh, that old gag? Oh, when right, the car yeah. wouldn't start. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, that comes right on the heels of the dam blowing up, which up until that point, you have a really strong Mesmerized. movie. I mean, there, by, yeah. by the way, I still critiques of some moments where I, don't, I didn't feel they were very authentic and real. But once you get to that point, it starts to become perhaps more problematic because what happens now is you have got a big plot that you need to, you need to carry the weight of. And how do you fulfill that? You have to start putting in other things to keep people's attention, yeah. and then it becomes tricky. Because the stakes have been raised, exactly. but they, they, they revert back to the old, that old gag again. Exactly. That, and, and when you go in the direction of tropes, it unfortunately takes away from something. Here's the difference between really good and subtle and honest and then heavy-handed. The heavy-handed for me I brought up before when, when Josh was on his work walk and he's putting back bird's nests into the bush <laughs> as if somehow he's saving the bird's nest, like, like a bird's going to come back and actually you know, use it, versus when they're in the boat and they're drifting down the river, down, down toward the dam, and you see all the dead trees, like skeletons, that's a wonderful shot. in the water, okay? Now that's actually what happens when you flood a forest. When you flood a forest, eventually you, you kill a bunch of trees and you can see because the trees are out into the water and, they, and it's this weird kind of great, the skeleton grave of trees. And what are they both doing? They're just kind of silently staring at it, contemplating it and taking it in. And the boat's drifting by. That is such a brilliant, great move. It's so honest. It's so authentic. It's right on. That, you know, this film suffers from just moments like that, moments that are really good and that are real for me and then moments that are just kind of like, you know, uh, oh, was, was that a Baltimore Oriole? We never see those. Like, you know, we're supposed to get this idea of a changing climate. You know, those seem like they're put in there. Like, maybe even the dead deer. A little too writerly, maybe. Little, yeah, maybe. Maybe. All right, I got, a, like, maybe half a dozen, like, little bits I want to roll through. Huh. <laughs> All right, first off, I want to play off the beauty thing, right? Hmm. Beautifully shot, this whole thing. Hmm. Um, and I love particularly how she is always juxtaposing something modern with something natural, mm-hmm. right? I thought of um, the shot where the boat is going down. Is it a river, I guess? Yeah, the river yeah. in the background. You see kids playing in the foreground with the cut-down trees, mm. right? There, there's a bunch of those shots <clears throat> that uh, that have this kind of juxtaposition that that I think is honest and and just beautiful. In the rich guy's townhouse, he's got some feng shui, like, co- co- uh, like gold, big goldfish garden in the backyard yeah. with, like, falling fountain. I would chalk that up to, you know, Josh putting the nest up, though. Because, uh, yeah. of course, you know, he walks into the house and yeah. you've got, you know, the beauty of nature circumscribed by his backyard, you know, a big-ass TV with golf on it. Right. And, of course, that's going to be a theme. You know, you know that's coming. I'm more forgiving of that, but you, you no, no, I thought are, there are good moments. Yeah. Those are good. Those are moments well, where she captures you, attention. And you got to establish like where this boat is coming from, yeah. right? It, it, there, there's an irony in way to that that I think is important. And and also that they're using the boat of the rich people against them. There's a little bit of that. This idea that we're going to buy something that comes from this inner world that's gross to these people, and we're going to use it to blow up a dam. And where did the money come from? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like similar. I like the opening shot, right, of just the water coming out of like the spout. I yeah. Mean, what is that? Yeah. yeah. Right. Great shot. Yeah. Um, you know, in other words, she's not, I think, unwilling to demonstrate that modernity has its beauties, and you know, it, it would be very easy to just 
just, you know, show some sewage coming out or something like that as an opening shot. Talking about, like, typical Riker, since we're, we're, what, five, six movies into this at this point, water seems to yeah. be uh, in a lot of her, her shots. And this, uh, two people sitting in a car, conversing yeah. in a car, mm-hmm. and watching sometimes things outside of the car through the windshield. Yeah. That, that's appeared in, you know, how many scenes of hers that we've yeah. seen so Old far. Yeah, Joy, and it's like most, like a good half of the movie. Near inaudible dialogue. Right at the very beginning oh, right, of this, yeah, right. you know, when they're walking towards, <coughs> they're walking towards, towards yeah, 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 that's, that's a great shot too. I like that the movie begins right on the dam. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't know that this movie was going to be about a dam. You know what I mean? It's like a nice. And you know, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. I didn't realize this round, and like fifteen, twenty minutes yeah. in, you don't, you don't understand. It's, it's paced very deliberately. It's so and well the, done. And the entrance of the title is, is so beautiful. Harmon pulls in the car, and when he first sees the boat, he goes, "Night moves, slick." Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's because the name of the boat's Night Moves. I mean, there are. Some great, there are some great moments uh, that Riker creates. All right, the title. So uh, I didn't like the title at first. I thought it was a little too hammy or something. But now that I like, I saw it again to think about it. Like you can trace the etymology of the title, and it's actually pretty interesting. Going along with like the the fake Feng Shui water and yeah. water feature in the backyard, right? So it's based on the song, right? The Bob Seger song. song. Right. right, and then there's, so I think there's also a movie <laughs> as well, right? I don't Gene know Hackman. Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, so you're saying that it might be an intertextual reference to the movie, well, I too? Think, no, I think there's a lot of things going on. I like it as just a song, because Bob Seger, for me, <laughs> represents, like, just yeah. middle brow. Like, that, that guy was not watching the Gene Hackman movie. No, that no, guy he was, was watching, listening to Bob Seger. He's, yes. he's got yeah. Bob Seger's greatest hits on in the backyard, <laughs> drinking a bud. Right. No, you're right. Right? <laughs> and, um... Yeah, and so you kind of, <laughs> so it means something to uh, them, you know, like moving on the river at night in this reconnaissance oh, yeah. spy mission Echo and all that. Terrace. What would you name your boat? <laughs> Yo, that's a good question. I like this game. Old time rock and roll, of course. <laughs> I like this game. I'm going to paint that. I'm going to paint, I'm going to find all Bob Seger lyrics and just paint them on the side of my car. I also <laughs> like the little mini conversation they have yeah. about like, you know, uh, Jamaican me crazy. Yeah, she runs this. through a litany. <laughs> yeah. She does that a few times. I, yeah. I like that. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, it, re- it really shows some personality in the character. I think, yeah, really good note. But yeah, no, so so like even the name, what we're going to call this thing, needs to be kind of like uh, rebranded or something to to, uh, to go forth this mission. I thought it was a, uh, it's, it's, it's a little levity in a movie that is humorless otherwise, right? This is the least funny Kelly Reichardt movie. Is that right? The- I think, like, even in Old Joy, I, I like, laugh. we enjoy our time with... Oh, I laughed a lot in Old Joy. Yeah. No, no, I didn't laugh all that much in Wendy and Lucy. No, Wendy and Lucy's pretty down. <laughs> Jesus. Right. By the way, wait I a minute. Cry. Time out a second. You're Meek's right. cutoff? I don't think I laughed at all in Meek's cutoff. Yeah, you're maybe right. And I laugh all the time. Like, yeah. I don't have high expectations. You're telling me Old Joy's the funniest <laughs> Kelly I think it might be. Yeah. It is, by far. Yeah, that's why you're right. Um, and, and, and go back real quick to... To Kelly Reichert and Old Joy, we want to talk about authentic. Uh, Harmon's wearing this bright tie-dye T-shirt while he's shoveling in fertilizer, and and meanwhile he's living in this beat-up old uh, you know trailer in the middle of the Oregon woods. How does he have such a nice T-shirt? The the, the authenticity there of his clothes, and compare that to Kurt's kick-ass pink cut-off shorts in Old Joy. 
Now that's real. <laughs> that to me gets at the character. There are moments in this you film. You might be right there. Yeah, I'm man. Fine now. There are moments in this that. film where the details don't hold up, and I don't know yeah. why they just don't hold up. I think you're right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Gives an overall feel. Sorry. Uh, and I love Kelly Riker. Tom like the spa. <laughs> I want to talk about the spa Oh, the naked people? Well, so I feel like, I'm going to tread lightly here, I feel like um, this was part of a little mini trend a couple years ago of showing, um, let's say, non-sexualized nudity, particularly female nudity Mm -hmm. on screen, right? Um, What is it? It's the Sarah Silverman movie, Sarah Silverman movie, Uh, Take This Walt, anybody say it? Uh, Sarah Polly directed, really great. and I didn't think of this as almost like there probably I think there's like two more this like little mini you know genre of I think it's particularly female directors depicting just kind of like standard female non titillating nudity I think it's great I just want to put it out there I think dude it's I was at the Philadelphia Art Museum yesterday I saw that in oh, like yeah? every room of the museum uh, what yeah man <laughs> like. Uh, <laughs> Like, you know, nude. Money, money paying uh, the, customers. The, the uh, bathers. The, the bathers. Who's that? Corbet? Corbet. Right. Has all these paintings of the bathers. All right, well, nude. Corbet is realist, right? So so you could, right, that's that's the, the direct line sure. to Kelly Riker. Yeah, right? man. Painterly realism mid-19th century. So I understand that. That was yeah. probably as shocking then as, I don't think it's shocking now, but Just uh, unconventional nudity, then as it is nudity now. Nudity in everyday scenes, yeah. you know? No, that makes a lot of sense. But my guess, that's, that's very specific to that decade or two in the mid-19th century. Yeah. Right? On either side is idealized nudity. Mm. Right? Right? On the next, right, coming after that is the uh, Impressionism. You're going to get, like, Degas nudes and things yeah, like Manet, that. Yeah, Manet, the picnic in the... Right, picnic in the garden or whatever it's exactly. called, where oh, yeah, a bunch of men in clothes and, and the women are naked. Well, they're like one. seducing. Yeah. yeah, so I've that in my room. It's cool. <laughs> I do right up front. <laughs> it's all right. I, I have too many jokes in my head. I explain all the time. I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting little uh, little note there. Um, is Jesse Eisenberg a good actor? <laughs> That's a good question. I really struggle with it. That's a good question. I th- so here's my theory and and. I think he is good at playing a, a certain dick, type, but he has no range. Mm-hmm. So I really like him in Social Network. Yes, and I, th- I don't think I like him here. I don't know why, but it kind of works here. I, 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 have a, I have a very he kind of works in this unsettled I, I, sense I, I, of him. I thought he worked in this one. Uh, yeah, I had a really I strong feel. Yeah. Maybe because I did, uh, as I said before, uh, you know, before we started this, I, I saw the m- most recent Rudy Allen movie, and I didn't think he was very no. good in this. I, no, he couldn't do it. I, don't, yeah. I agree. Th- this I, he works for this film. Sorry, guys. I've never seen him in anything. I thought he was great. Yeah, he's awesome in the Social Network. That's a really good Fincher film, right? Um, oh, that's I it's that's, a great that's movie. A great Dark City. Uh, I think it works here because. Essentially, this character, we want Josh to remain somewhat mysterious. We want him, you know, at the end of this film, you have a guy who's teetering on the world of civilization and would you say during the film prim- primitivism, right? Mm-hmm. He's yeah, teetering yeah. between those two worlds. You want a guy who you don't really totally get and he doesn't give us a whole great affect in this film. There's not a whole lot we can cling to. So we're kind of left like, shit, what's going to happen? What's he going to do? Yeah. You know, I, I think he was definitely good, although I don't know if he's necessarily a great actor i'm kind of with you yeah i don't know i don't know about his range yeah it's a range problem i think maybe yeah i don't see him is there i did see some dumb comedy with yeah. him and, it, and it didn't work i don't know he's a pizza delivery guy 
I can't remember. Uh, I remember like not liking that movie at all. Yeah. Isn't he in a Noah Baumbach movie, Squid and the Whale? Yes, he's yes. great in Squid and the Whale. But he's he's good plays, Squid and the Whale. He plays like an asshole kid in it. Yeah. That we're supposed to find, you know, overly pretentious and, you know... Right? Uh, he's also... Wait a minute. I'm just I'm remembering a few movies. He's yeah, right yeah. Uh, yeah. The... the, the uh, amusement park movie. Oh, uh, Adventureland. Yeah. All right, so I really like Adventureland, but I don't like... Because I'm, I'm remembering all these movies that you, yeah. you said that you liked, yeah. Isn't I that really the one that you like said is based on my life? Yes, that's your, that's your story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should, I'll make an effort to go see that. Because he's a carny. He's a junior carny. There's nothing wrong with that. I, never, I, I have never said there was. Um, yeah, that's it. Right. Yeah, I've seen him in a bunch of things, but I don't know. I uh, I suspect he's a good actor. I just, I don't know. There's something grating about him, but it's a problem, right? <laughs> they asked him to do so many movies. You just kind of assume well, he's good. It's a problem. <laughs> was there, but why was that problematic in this movie? Like, what, what sparked oh, the... I don't think we're supposed to like him. Oh, no, no, I'm not saying that's a problem, but why, why are you concerned about his acting? About was there something in this movie that you found unconvincing about the way he was acting? No, 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 it's not I, I thought it was, it was great. Yeah, and no, he's, he only works when he plays somebody that is unlikable, and that, you know, that's a problem, I, I think, of, of your just visceral experience, yeah. you know? Yeah, I, I liked in this that it was it was wholly ambiguous from start to finish whether or not you are to sympathize with him. I, like yeah. Dave said he had very little affect, and I agree. You know, even in the most emotionally fraught moments, it's hard to read him. He was also in To Roam With Love, which was a bad Woody Allen film. That was not a great film. Yeah, and yeah. he wasn't good in that. Yeah. All right, I got a couple more things. All right, um... Another example of great juxtaposition, I love the interior shot of the camper uh, when they pull into the launch site, I guess that is, the campground, and you get the two old people sitting in the seats watching The Price is Right and the interior mm-hmm. as you look out at the nature, right? And there's, uh, you know what I'm talking about? I know, I missed this. Oh, yeah, and there's a shot where um, something happens in The Price is Right and everybody gets really excited uh-huh. on the, in the reality of the TV screen, but they're just sitting there motionless. And it's such a great little commentary. It's, it's three seconds. It's the same thing though as Dave with the, the with the on with the bird nest. I mean, do you, oh, do I you don't find that bit heavy handed? No, I don't like, think this one's that heavy handed. I think Price it's is solid. right. I mean, uh-huh. like, like let's think of the most the most you know you know just absolute <laughs> greed celebration show you know, a show right. that's two no hours way. long. Absolutely not. Price is right. There's something that's that, it's that's about a, a celebration. Yeah, there's something. There's something. It's not as grotesque as everything else I think out there. It's something that's been around for a long time. Number one, the, sta- it's pretty the stakes. The stakes are pretty mellow. What do you? You're getting like some some crappy appliances, and then Max, you're gonna win like ten thousand dollars. It's a big party as people are sort of sitting. Wow, I didn't know, think deck- I get this encomium for the Price is Right. In some sort of like makeshift shirts that they came up with. Uh, you have, you know, whether it's Bob Barker or this, his scion, who, who's it, or who, who's Drew Carey? Drew Carey. Drew Carey bequeathed the show. He's talking about a guy who just Barker stepped in dead. shit, for God's sake. It's great. Oh, no. um, he's dead? Yeah, I think he's uh, been dead for a while. Really? Bob Barker? Dead as hell. Oh, I don't he's know. Dead. <laughs> Well, I don't think you should be happy. You know, I'm not saying I'm happy. I give a shout out to Spade and New to your 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 creature. All right, this. Uh, this. <laughs> no, you just you all of a sudden just described like you know what's wrong with America is represented in The Price Is Right. Yeah, and I'll stand by sort of, that too. It, but no, I, <laughs> and it's some sort. I'll keep going. And it's some. It's never moved from its time slot of like whatever was it like on Sun, Saturday mornings at no, ten. You don't even no, it's every know. day. It's every day. Uh, every like day. Or noon or something. Uh, I don't like even that. have a television. So. <laughs> 
wrong with it. It doesn't represent everything that's wrong. It's not as if like, they stuck a Kardashian in the middle of the goddamn RV or something like that. Like it, it wasn't that heavy handed. It was kind of, I just thought it was kind of subtle and cute. I just think you're so jaded at this point. It doesn't really, you know, I don't know. Everything registers as heavy handed with you. But wait, tell me in the film where, where they're, mo- they're coming into the park. <laughs> they're, they're driving. <laughs> I can't even remember this. They're driving the car into the park. And you get a couple scenes of just like the basic campers and their lifestyle. And you're, you're inside one of the campers. Yeah. And you can see that there's somebody who looks a little obese. But you're from their point of view. It's over the looking shoulder. Up, or, or you know what it is? I only know that you see the person. But the people on the screen are obese they're getting excited about you know and, and when when you know, the excitement is whether it's the price is right or the kardashians the message is still the yeah, same yeah I agree. we we are so uh, you know i i i even when you're on vacation in nature right. you sit inside exactly. and you're like watching this so well, that, I, that's yeah. that that's is, a great three second commentary on our country our lifestyle without a doubt yeah. this idea that you're in nature well the rv is the camping store they're the same exact yeah, damn exactly. thing it's, it's you controlling the thing that's uncontrollable, yep. which is nature. Yeah, just like the dam does. Just exactly. That's yeah, exactly what the dam the function, does. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the idea that um, the Price is Right is interesting too, because that's almost like the first generation who ever had the television. You know, right? I mean, you're kind of growing up with those people. Those people in the '50s. You know, so in some ways, I think that old. You could never. The price is Right. Yeah. No, no, but the television is right. I mean, when's television widespread? Fifties. Oh, it's in every household. Yeah, television. television. Yeah. Fifties. Yeah, fifties. When's Price is Right starting? Probably seventies. That early seventies. Yeah. Yeah. But certainly, the people who grew up in the fifties with the first televisions, they would become the people who would probably become Price is Right fans. The, the, the age, yeah? Or, or Tom. Or Tom. No, I don't <laughs> watch the fucking show. There's a lot of um, college students like Price is Right. Yeah, no. So that's, so it's, yeah, it's that was a, always a thing. Is this like a comeback? No, no, no. It's always been the case. You see a lot of college yeah, students. Yeah, they, they go in like like packs. Yeah. So like you, you got like a whole bunch of students in from like Arizona State. And then like, yeah. you know, they, they say, you know, John blah, 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 come on down. Then he goes down and then he like has a shirt that like he ironed on. Like I'm Bob Barker's bastard son or like something that he made <laughs> up, you know? No. And he, and he, yeah, that, like, so there's like a whole thing going on in there that, Yeah. Where, where, where is this, when has this been happening? In America, dude. <laughs> I thought you were American. <laughs> right. My uncle wore Chuck Taylors all through the 90s, and now all of a sudden he's like cool again. <laughs> is it kind of like that? Like all of a sudden it's back in style? I wore Chuck no. Taylors in the 90s. Come on, man. I think. All right, more stuff. Um, the campsite encounter where the guy comes up and they act like, you know, they kind of dismiss him and all that, is that the dude that dies? Uh you I don't think it's clear. It doesn't look like I, him in the picture. No, yeah. no, the picture doesn't look it's like him. No, yeah. he's a dude with, who's got kids and a family. Yes. That guy don't have no family. <laughs> <laughs> you know a lot about this guy. He's on screen for like five seconds. No, man, trust me, I know him. I, I didn't know if that's what we were supposed yeah. to uh, assume. I think we're supposed to assume. I think you're supposed to think it's him for much of the time until they start yeah. talking about the guy's background. I'll tell you who it could be. It could have been the guy in the car. Remember how they had to stop? And turn around and reset, or they were going to reset the clock because that guy pulled over in the car like he had something wrong with his oh, tire. Oh, the one they see, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, now the only thing is I think that guy says something when he gets back in the car so he's with other people. This guy was alone, but, you know, I, I think anyone, any given person who kind of crossed their paths could have been this unlucky dude who had happened to be kayaking down the river. Yeah. 
Um, I want to go back to your apocalypse now. Do we talk about apocalypse now? Just briefly. briefly. Yeah. yeah. So that was a cool idea. Yeah, I think it's great, right? You know, those shots look so good off of the boat onto the the shore. You know, the music had this kind of um, eeriness. Yeah, the, the, I think it like sounded a, like, like a droning guitar, like a drone, like yeah. in Apocalypse Now. Yeah. So why is that? Right? I don't know that. Uh, that I, I get it. Right? So is well, is there a Kurtz? I mean, what is the Kurtz? Society's the Kurtz. No, I would say the the mission is the Kurtz. Yes, yeah, the, the, the allure of uh, what they're doing. Uh, but there's so so the difference would be that there's a goallessness here. I mean, uh, Marvel has a mission. Yeah. Right. I mean, it is to find this guy to assassinate him. You know, it's very clear cut. In maybe the the point is that this doesn't is missionless. You know, they have, I mean? they have the mission. Their mission is to blow up the dam. I guess it's, that's it. You right? know, yeah. So I guess beyond that, right? It's anticlimax. Yeah, because you have another hour of the movie dealing with the aftermath. Right. I mean, if, yeah, you, I if you want to go back to Apocalypse Now, you know, versus Heart of Darkness, it's it's kind of odd when you finally meet Kurtz too. You hear so much about him, and you oh, have this the, massively. The text, yeah. it, it, well, even in. Uh, even in the movie, I mean, you've got this bloated Marlon Brando, barely even, you know, under lines. It's, it's kind of a, it's not what you're expecting. And certainly yeah. what, what happens after the movie, or after, sorry, after the, the blowing up of the dam, it's not what they're expecting. I think, it ch- for me, it changed the tone of the movie, because I think in the beginning, when you're getting a sense, you know, the, the, the environment, and mm-hmm. this and that, there's a religiosity, I think, to, yeah. uh, to uh, being a part of, of, of some of these uh, uh, things. However, when you get to that phase when they're hopping, in, or, or when they're preparing for it, it was almost as if they're preparing for war, and now they're going on the mission. So I think militancy, to me, entered into the picture, into this middle strand yeah, of the movie. Yeah. So I kind of viewed the movie as, like, maybe three acts you had this first part which mm-hmm. which was very sort of Kelly Reichert-esque and, and, and very toned down and mute and it did have the religiosity of exploring uh, you know a, a, a secular sort of humanist sort of belief system of conservationism of some sort then you go into the middle of it and there is that sort of you know you're at war you're at war to defend whatever and then you move into I know this is sort of the controversial you know Hitchcockian sort of bullshit where you know the attempt to sort of mitigate but yeah but, but where it became like a thriller of some sort but that middle portion it's. I, I just think it's like an extension of of that sort of uh, suspense of the mili- military. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Um, I the the scene right after though, like once they arm it, that to me was like real good Hitchcock stuff. Right. That, yeah. that uh, it was like maybe ten minutes of you no mean dialogue when, with the person. Yeah, you know, waiting for the person to finish. You know, changing their time. Exactly. Yeah, right? yeah. That yeah. whole yeah. sequence. I mean, you got the ticking clock. That uh, ticking clock. That's whole. That's like uh, what sabotage. Yeah. You know, Shakespeare, uh, Shakespeare, Hitchcock, um, and you know them kind of moving, trying to be quiet. Right? I I loved all that. I thought also that was great. when they push the canoe back into the water, the last shot is of the boat up against the dam that's got the explosives and the timer in it, and then you've got this empty canoe that's going into the water. So toward the end of the in the third act of the film when you're wondering maybe that guy isn't lost you know maybe it was just they found this empty canoe and that's and, and the guy's going to turn out to be okay maybe he wasn't even camping on the water those kind of like twists and turns or the or, or leading us toward mm-hmm. a potential outcome she's really good at that and she's strong yeah, so, you, so then it sounds like you are you're willing to admit that she is actually quite effective in what we would call conventional 
Hollywood suspense motifs. In this scene, In yeah. that particular yeah. scene, Definitely. I remember this, it is the most effective. Because it seems to belong to this movie in right. a way I don't think the end, the, the death scene does. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. You know, his character, his char- we're not prepared for his character, I think, to do that. Or at least to see him do it. Maybe we can we can accept him doing it off the camera. You know, all of a sudden he's on the run for bigger things. But you know, and, and I know you love the part where he's putting the the nest back in the tree. But maybe <laughs> maybe that was that. It was probably very very heavy handed, showing like this is this is the thoughtful person who would do this, and then at some point he Flip. is about to take a human's life. Yeah, yeah. There, he gets cold and dark. There's some kind of juxtaposition there. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at with the deer, but I think you're, you're right. It's the same kind of thing. All right. Um, I got like two or three more things. You said that like 50 I know, minutes ago. I know. That's how I uh, <laughs> keep this going. <laughs> it's like when you tell the kid, you know, we're almost five minutes. Five, it's not five minutes. <laughs> I get that. Um, I'm going to skip that one. All right. So I nice. thought another, another good... Um, <laughs> Another good detail was uh, her physical reaction, the rash. Mm. I thought that was good. I didn't, the only time I didn't love it was when they commented on it. I liked when nobody's commented on it. It just appeared like when we first saw her yeah. in the bed of his truck and no one said anything about it. Right? When, yeah. once, the, once It's during the bad scene where what's the matter with your face or whatever. Yeah. Too much. Come on. Let it yeah. lie. She's at her best when she lets things happen and unfold over time. She... You know, if you have to force plot points and details, and by the way, you know, can we attribute that to the screenwriting or, you know, not necessarily to Riker? I don't know. Um, you know, are those details that come up in the screenplay? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Clearly dialogue does. All right, so last shot is him looking over his shoulder into the mirror, right? Uh, I thought it was interesting. I like it as juxtaposed against the very first shot, which is the circle motif with the water coming out of it. And also there's another shot, the shot that it stays on for maybe three or four seconds of the, um, the, the mixer. Oh, yeah. yeah. The mixer, right? That's that kind of circle motif, right, in the foreground of the camera. Or, mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes technical sense, but um, seems to be something that she's doing in, in this, right? Yeah, the close-up of, of the circle and also with the- things happening. Um, so I'm just thinking this through right now in the first two of those, right? We have motion, we have the water flowing through, we have the mixing in the last one. It's static. Even the people in the image are kind of static. The woman's on the phone, playing on the phone, barely moving. And we're out and we're increasingly moving into more and more kind of modern trappings. Maybe I don't know. I think there's something happening with that motif there. I mean, ultimately I think it's interesting just because it's, the idea that he's got to have to look over his shoulder for the rest of his life if he stays in oh, I this circumstance. I thought that was the kind of major character plot idea of it. I, I like the turning of the fertilizer, this kind of rotating earth image. You know, like somehow they were blowing up this... They, they, they were this rotating mass of energy was what they were trying to save by blowing things up. I don't know, yeah. it's kind of cool. But again, it's, it's, it's modern, right? It's yeah. the idea of like, you know, machines that A do machine the work for you. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. I know, I think a lot of these are, are good, solid images. Um, all right, so what are we really supposed to take away? This is the last question. This is a, what are we supposed to take away about modern American environmentalism, right? I, I guess my argument is I don't want an answer to it, but I want a deeper exploration than what I'm ultimately given, and that, I think, is the major flaw of the movie, right? I, all, you know, the, the bad kind of points about, you know, the, the plot shift, the tone shift, 
you know, the, the, the problematic characterization at the end, I would forgive if I got something more satisfying in terms of the major theme, right? What, how am I supposed to act? And again, I don't want it told to me, but I need something more done with it. You know what I mean? I don't know. The, the artist is to raise questions, not to posit yeah. an I, answer necessarily. So the, the problem is consciousness. The problem is that you are already consciously aware that there is an environmental problem. That is not the issue. The issue is that it's a sort of tragedy of the commons. The people who are concerned are the people watching Price is Right in their RV. That's the problem. Or the people who are, you know, connected into a system uh, of, of making money at the welfare, uh, you know, of the environment. That, those are the people who need to start becoming more awake and more conscious. I think this film definitely raises consciousness, and I don't know if you could ask for it to well, do much more than that. So, because there might not be an answer. In the very beginning of the movie, when they showed the documentary in the barn, right? The overall sense I got was, well, what is this really doing? These people know this already. They yep. live in an echo chamber. Yep. No one's really getting yep. served here. Yep. Isn't that the same thing that this movie is doing? Essentially, I don't think so. I think I think there actually is a more conservative answer than I would have thought. If answer is the right word, certainly a commentary. Conservative in the sense of you know blowing up a dam is not the right thing to yeah, do. I agree. Given okay. not just the commentary from the owner of the farm on the day afterwards, but also when we find out afterwards that you know one of the people associated with their environment. I'm not sure that it actually is the owner of the farm actually now have the feds coming after him right probably just because of something not related to the dam but it's it's possible oh no i think it's definitely well no they say that it has to do it's maybe from arrested development who says it right when they're at the party oh i don't trust that she knows she's just kind of gossiping i think right and she says something effective well remember we do hear earlier that the cheese guy burned his cheese card or whatever the license and whatnot and so that might have been the reason why the feds have come afterwards. But ultimately, you easily tie that in when you have the guy saying, look, Josh, like, I, I don't question what you're doing, but you've got to – I can't have this on our conscience. And you realize this ultimately is going to bring down what seems a very noble, though drop-in-the-bucket effort, yeah. right? And so I, you know, I think ultimately if, if you are looking for an answer, I'm like, well, how am I supposed to feel – the answer is certainly not blowing up a dam. The answer might be the drop in the bucket kind of way of moving about things. So I, I don't want to give the impression that I'm not okay with ambiguity. I think I am, mm-hmm. right? And so let, let's compare it to the other. Right, compare the it to Meek's cutoff. Well, all three of them. Okay. I, all three of the major ones, right? They all have a problem or a kind of thematic issue that they're playing with. And the answer never gets, gets decided. Yep. But I feel like it has an, a satisfying arc to it. Right in Meek's cutoff, I know at the end of that movie that like we don't know the answers or whether or not they're going to make it. But she's in charge and she's asserted herself, and I feel good about the decision she made, win or lose. Old Joy, right, has a similar kind of thing where even though I'm not sure, you know, that these guys will ever see each other again, they've come to terms with themselves. You yes. know what I mean? Yeah, there's yeah, so, yeah. There's something but, unsatisfying about the end of this movie because I think there's an answer. I think that might be it. The what do you fact- mean? Well, because I oh, think the, think I think, the, yes. I, think I think yes. I think it has to it's it's too circumscribed. Like it actually has provided an answer, and I think the commentary is a little bit Maybe. too too obvious. He, he even said earlier in the film, he's you know, I, I really like there were some really great moments where each of them got to share a little bit about what like personal things that affected them and and, and their relationship to the environment. 
the, the whole bird nest thing takes me off for, for Josh. But do you remember his buddy Harmon? He was like, you know, watering these fucking golf courses so these people can play yeah, their yeah. sport. And it came in very naturally. And then, of course, Josh has a moment like that in the RV when they're talking about uh, Dina. And he says, you know, uh, killing all the salmon so fucking people can run their iPhones all day long. And then what is the last image of a woman on her iPhone? Like, there's a little bit, perhaps, too perfectly he's coming into the system connected to the system you know i'm sorry real quick though but that is the i think the modern dilemma i was just thinking about this in the last week or so you know if you look back in the romantic period of america you know what was the the dilemma the dilemma was this great big wilderness that was unsettled and it was probably scary but people wanted to go out and adventure to it there's a new kind of modern dilemma, I think, for the environment, and that is people who are connected to the system and and yet and feel guilt because they are a part of that system. There's no more frontier. You can't right. You, so we're we're kind of closed in to what we have, and it's not satisfying. Yes, I, and, there's something to that, and that's where I think the end of this film works. But how do you rebel against that? It's almost impossible. Blow, blow Dan's up. <laughs> Okay, and then... And then what? Yeah, exactly, because yeah, yeah. the dam didn't do anything. Exactly. And along the way, there were so many uh, hurdles to get there, whether it's like, you know, laws about how much fertilizer you can buy or the fact that everywhere that they step, there some, seems to be some sort of panopticon of civilization peering mm-hmm. in on them, like, you know, don't walk on the edges of the aisle, the camera's going to get you. So it seems like it's almost impossible to take a stand. And, you know, if this movie is, according to Riker, not necessarily about... Uh, a political movement it's about an individual person then what is this individual person contemplating this entire movie as as we're just getting because he he is our most laconic character he's not talking at all so maybe he is contemplating this like how do I make uh, you know a difference in the world how do I do something and all along the way he he maybe he realizes his own futility and then where does he end up at the end because what is he really doing I mean I'm just thinking this through now it's probably half baked but by blowing up the dam, what you're trying to do is open up the frontier to new possibilities, right? You're trying to deconstruct what has been constructed. Sure. But it's very quixotic because as it was exactly. pointed out, there's, uh, you know, oh, it doesn't do anything. Right. right. Well, it doesn't It doesn't get anybody any money. No one's going to no. profit from it, right? It's going to... No, no. It's moving he in, wants to make he it said the, the It's father, moving in the right? wrong direct... What? No, he's oh. referring to the father of the, of the farm family when he said, there are 20 dams on that river. Oh. Blowing up one doesn't matter. Oh no, no, right. I know. This is for this is for him. It's his own uh, masculinity at stake. Uh, okay, so that's so that's an individual person's right. quest. And that's not commiserate with, you know, the will of the, the masses, right? They want that dam. They want the dam. Right? That's the problem. You know, you're 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 not just fighting modernity, you're fighting the will of billions. Yeah. Because they're complacent. Yeah. And they're okay with everything. Because they've been watching too much prices right. I was just gonna, it's a goddamn <laughs> prices right. Once again. Prices right? That's the problem. That wait, the price. Wait, are you telling me the Price is Right is responsible for our environmental crisis? I think, I think, I think exactly. so. That's the conclusion. It's a shit, two, man. It's a two-hour show, five times a week. Wow, it's only an hour. I thought it was two hours. Really, man? <laughs> two hours, right? Um, no, it's an hour. Really? Yeah. No, you're thinking about our podcast. They go on like two or three hours. <laughs> on that note. I think we're done. So, think so? Whoa. Yeah. What's hey, in the what? editing, are you going to play Night Moves on the way out, on the outro? Ooh. That's a good one. I don't know. Yo, that might be fun. Bob Seger. Is he alive or dead? He's dead. Bob Seger? Yeah. No, he's alive. alive. Let's pretend he's dead. <laughs> well, this episode is dedicated to both Bob, Bob Barker, Barker and Bob Seger. Yeah. Now end the show. Two Bobs. End it. end it now. Okay. Next time, uh, Certain Women? 
Bleh. <laughs>